Guten Morgen. This is Aiden Taco Jones, and you are listening to Coffee is What Happens When You're Busy Making Plans. I'm in Berlin, sitting in uh, what I guess is the front yard area of a big apartment complex. It's not nice. It's like, um, I don't, I want to say it's like a housing commission estates or something like that. I don't know. But uh, I was walking past, I'm in Neukölln, which is like, um, it's like a gentrifying area in the same way that, <laughs> in the same way that people say that countries are developing, this is gentrifying. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like it's kind of shit. But people think it's co- it's like a cool kind of shit. Like, it's not just, like, straight-up shit and there's nothing. You know, there's stuff here, but it's still poor. And I'm, I'm in one of these... Um, I'm in, like, the front yard of this apartment building because I've been... Uh, I'm staying at a hostel and uh, I was looking for somewhere to record the pod this week. After last week's fucking, quite frankly, calamitous recording. I'm so sorry if you fucking listened to that. What a nightmare that was. Um, so I, uh, I'm staying in my hostel. Man, the dudes in the in the fucking room. I got in at like three p.m. yesterday, and uh, these guys were in there and they were asleep. And then I got, I went out, did my thing, did my gigs, came back a few times. I came back at like five after getting some food, and then I did my gigs and I got back at midnight, still asleep. And then I wake up at at like nine o'clock and they're still asleep and I'm my contempt for people who are just like I guess they've just been out clubbing and they're you know they're in Berlin for that they kind of had that vibe one dude had the uh the game of throw what's that um Carl Drago one of the dudes had like a Carl Drago beard you know the big full face beard pointy at the bottom and uh, something about that said to me that <laughs> that he likes wearing mesh shirts and have other men grind up against him. I don't know, but maybe they're part of that. You know, maybe they're in that whole like Berlin gay scene, right? And they're just here to go clubbing, and that's why they're in bed all day because they're tired from taking heaps of drugs all weekend. But I just a younger me would have been like excited by the idea of those dudes going out and partying. But right now, all I have for them is contempt. I'm like, get your fucking lives together. Why are you, or maybe it's just because they're taking up my space in the hostel dorm room. But I'm like, why the fuck can't you wake up and go and do whatever it is you're supposed to do that isn't this? Surely someone somewhere is upset with you. (laughs) Or maybe not. Maybe they've got no one else. Maybe everyone who cares about them is there in that room. Maybe they had the time of their lives. And everyone who cares about them is on that dance floor, jigging and jiving. (laughs) I don't know what. Uh, Yeah, look, just, I don't know. Get out of my fucking dorm room, man. Leave. Go and do something. Fucking Carl Drago looking motherfucker. And then they were like, you know, not asleep, but like not do, like Carl Drago was just lying on his bed, whispering into his phone, but he wasn't talking to someone. I think he was just like, I don't know what he was doing. He was like watching some video and then he was going like, I'm like, man, I'm about five minutes away from passing some serious hidden judgment on you when I leave this room. All right. So, yeah, 
consider yourself. Um, but so I've left, I left the dorm room and I walked down the street and, uh, I'm going to get a picture of this for my fucking Instagram, man. This it's like, this is maybe the strangest place I've recorded. It's a huge gaping parking lot of a front yard next to this, uh, how many stories we got here? Six story, five story, uh, commission flats Uh, and um, someone set up a nice little like plastic table with a red and white parasol and I'm sitting in like a deck chair with an orange cushion covering the deck chair I guess it's someone's little area for smoking and I just walked past and I was like I reckon I can do a pod there so that's what I'm doing (sighs) it's been an amazing week is what it's been it's been a fantastic week. So many lovely things. I spent most of the week in the Netherlands. I got in on Thursday. I was in Amsterdam. I went to a joint called um, Monk's Coffee Roasters first up. And once again, I, I plucked up all of my remaining courage and messaged out a few owners of coffee shops. And I spoke to this guy called Patrick, who gave me a fantastic interview, uh, interview introduction into the... Um, into the Dutch coffee scene and like the Netherlands as a whole because he's an Irish guy he's been living in the Netherlands for four years four years no five years he's been running his cafe for two years or two or three years um and uh he was so I I walked into his cafe and he'd said hey yeah come and have a chat my name's Patrick so I walk in and I see this guy and he's like an older dude and I'm like are you are you Patrick is that you? And he looks at me and he's like, oh no, I think you're looking for her. And just points at this girl. And the girl kind of looks at me with a rabbit in headlights look of like, ah, oh, oh. <laughs> ah. just starts laughing. He's like, hey man, what's up? I'm Patrick. <laughs> he just threw her under the bus. It was like the other girl that he was working with. <clears throat> so straight away, I was like, oh, this guy's great. And he gives me a coffee. I sit at the counter and uh, we just start chatting. We're having conversations every now and then. Someone walks in to order a coffee, and I stop talking. And he starts. He talks to them, gets their order, and then just talks to me again. It was so nice, man. Uh, he gave me a few names of the places in um, in Amsterdam to check out. I actually only got to check out one other. Oh god, I'm so sorry. I keep yawning. I've got. To, I'm in a bit of a rush this morning. I'm gonna go get a haircut from my friend Lexi, who works at a, a hairdresser in Berlin, and that's in like an hour and a bit. So I've only got like probably 45 minutes still to record this podcast. So I don't want to. And I didn't. So I didn't. I didn't get any time to do my vocal exercises beforehand. Often, actually, what I'll do before the podcast is I'll read something, like a, an article. I'll just read that out loud to myself, you know, just like something about football or whatever, um, as a way of just checking that I can still talk, that nothing's happened, um, that I can speak English, and just and just get my head in the game a little bit. But I didn't have time to do that this morning. Also, the reason I didn't have time to do that, or maybe didn't allow myself that time, is because I'm scared sitting in this person's smoking area in the front of their housing estate that someone's going to come up to me and in German say something like, what the fuck are you doing in my smoking area? Get out of here, you Australian dog. I don't know how you say that in German. Write in if you know how to say that in German. <laughs> Message in and let a boy know so I know what to look out for next time I'm here. Anyway, so I was talking to Patrick about the uh, coffee scene over there. He made me a fantastic coffee, actually, and it seemed... 
his place was um, what I liked about sitting in his cafe was how assertive he was with he called them campers the people who come in with their laptops and sit there all day because the shop was set up in like when you walk past on the street you can see maybe 60% of the seats and then the area that kind of uh, turned off to the like at the back to the right there was a whole area of tables that you couldn't see from the street and that's the only place that he lets people set up with laptops and he had signs up everywhere and uh while I was sitting there, it was about five in the afternoon when I got there and the place is open till eight. So there weren't that many people there. And I'm sitting at the counter and then at one point a girl came up to the counter and she asked for the Wi-Fi code, I think. And he just goes, oh yeah, you're going to buy something? She asked in English as well. She wasn't even Dutch. And he goes, you're going to buy something first? And she was like, oh, oh, um, uh, uh, coffee? And he was like... So two coffees, because she was sitting there with her mum. <laughs> it's like, so two coffees, is it? Great. What two coffees do you want? <laughs> He's just putting the hard word on her. And then he goes, also see that sign above where you're sitting? The sign that says no laptops in these seats? Because they're sitting in the most comfortable seats that also are the seats that, are, that you can see from the street. It was like, so yeah, no laptops there. So if you could just move around the side, please, that'd be great. And what two coffees can I get you? <laughs> And he, he did it in a way that was like assertive, but not rude. It was just like, this is what's happening. You got to sit there. Thank you for coming to my coffee shop, but you do need to buy things. And he walked off and I said to him, like, that was awesome, man. I love how you did that. And he goes, yeah, sometimes, you know, I call them the campers. They just come and they set up and sometimes I'll even just shout over the coffee shop. Anyone who hasn't been up to the counter in the last half hour, up to the counter right now. <laughs> I love that. And, uh, I mean, because that, the way that he said it wasn't about, like, every person that I've spoken to so far about coffee, I'm really enjoying that, I'm surprised, I'm pleasantly surprised at the attitudes that people who own coffee shops have, that it's, it's not about the coffee, it's like there's good coffee and there's bad coffee, and that's pretty much it. But the reason he was so militant about people not just being there using their laptops is, it stops people talking to each other when it's when it's just laptops it almost becomes like eerily quiet in there because there's like five or six people at this one table just tapping away for three hours at a time sitting on one coffee no one's talking to each other and then when you walk in there's no energy in the place and so people don't want to stay there and I was often I, I, I used to be kind of opposed to that but when he broke it down like that and and explained to me that that's the not the energy that he wants in the place it makes so much sense you should be fucking talking to people, you know? Anyway, that was a nice introduction to uh, to Holland Heat. Patrick explained to me, which I was sceptical about, but it ended up being right. Dutch people, quite upfront, they're very blunt with you. He explained it like you can ask a Dutch person. He'll They'll come and order a coffee from him and he'll ask, you know, how are you? And they'll tell you, oh, well, my uh, I've just been down to my therapist and uh, they're telling me that maybe I have some problems with my dad and... Uh, and, uh, you know, my childhood, I need to work out, and it's manifesting itself in some sort of sexual desires. It may be unhealthy, but I'm trying to work on that. Uh, and so for the next few months, I'm uh, maybe abstaining from the sexual contact with other partners, and hopefully I can find something a little more fulfilling in my life. Uh, and I'll have long black, please, or Americano, if you don't call it like that in this shop. <laughs> Very blunt. And all you wanted to know was just like, hey, how are you? And they say, yeah, good, and then you give them the coffee, and they're telling you about their whole life. And, 
I was skeptical, but we went to Eindhoven after that. I did. Oh, actually, fuck the um, the gig that I did at the comedy cafe in Amsterdam. It was. I I don't know if I was. I th- I think what happened is the guy who booked me on the Thursday forgot that he had booked a Dutch show that night because, from what I can tell, normally there's an English show on the Thursday, but. Uh, that day he went actually the show's Dutch tonight and so we go there and everyone on the show all the comics are doing comedy in Dutch and uh, they were kind of like oh yeah we can put you on sure <laughs> and so uh, the first two brackets all Dutch and then the start of the third bracket I go on and the everyone's been speaking Dutch for the whole show not a word of English and then the MC just goes, Aiden Jones! And um, I go on and I've had what would generously be described as uh, a hard, a bit of hard work of a set. Not a lot of people really understanding most of the words that I was saying. They were, I think they did understand, but not in time to laugh at the punchlines. And I was trying to slow down, but then I was going too slow and... A friend of mine who I hadn't seen since 2011 was there. I stayed at his place and he came and watched the show. And afterwards he was like, yeah, so it's, uh, I think some of these words are a little bit tough maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it's hard to, like, I feel like he thinks that that's what it's like for me a lot of the time, you know, which is very tough. Um, anyway, we went to Eindhoven and... Um, the gig in Eindhoven, like a lot of the same, I was starting to think maybe Dutch people just don't like comedy, you know, because, um, I mean, the gig in Rotterdam was amazing, but the gig in Eindhoven was like, it was good, it was fun, but it was still like hard work, every time you you can, and I think the Dutch people know as well, because you can have a go at them, like, oh, you guys don't really give much away, and they're like, no, we don't, we're very quiet, we're a very reserved people, I had, um, the first of two amazing experiences, though, in the Netherlands, in Eindhoven. I get there, I go to uh, a cafe, it was called Coffee Lab, I think. I think it was called... Yeah, I think it was called Coffee Lab. Um, that was nice, but then I'm in there and I'm looking around and I'm like trying to find just a gallery or something to go to. And uh, I saw... I, I saw like a list of galleries because I was just like haven't met the other comedian that I'm hanging out with yet haven't met uh, anyone else who's like booking the show the lady who runs the show is coming later but she's in a traffic jam so what can I do art gallery I found something called talking talking pieces um, and the explanation of it was that it's a gallery centered around stories and I've always felt with art galleries, that that's what I'm missing, I want some of the story, I want, I want something to latch onto, you know, I think I've mentioned that before, I want something, some sort of story that I can look at the painting and go, this is why I'm looking at this, it's not just a painting of a a fucking dude, or a hill, or a windmill, or whatever, and talking pieces in their little blurb said that it's, it's based on the stories, and I don't know how they're going to achieve that, but I go there, I knock on the door, and uh, a voice comes back, Luba the Fluba, (laughs) and and I'm just like, 
uh, what did I think? I had a thought. I had a thought. What a desperate thing to say. I had a thought, I swear. I remember when the, the Dutch voice came back. I was standing in front of the door and I was... I, I think I, I thought something along the lines of like, this is going to be hard work. Like if this person doesn't speak English, they're going to come down. And I couldn't even see really much of a gallery. I could see one room with a few photos hanging. And I was like, if they come down, like I expected just to be able to walk in. I expected it to be like a big gallery. And I thought if they come down and they don't speak English, this is going to be hard work explaining to them what I want out of this experience. And I may just have to turn around and leave. So this lady comes down and she invites me in. She walks me in through the door and it is just the one room. And uh, I'm like, oh, I'm just here for the, the, the gallery. Yep, is this it? I guess I'll just walk around here. And she's like, yeah, this is it. So it's this gallery. That, and she starts talking to me. And um, I'm like, oh, cool. So this is your thing. She goes, no, I, I run the gallery, but uh, my, my partner is a um, photographer. And so we've... Uh, we go around and he takes these photos and, and blah, blah, blah. And, and she starts like getting into it. Like every time I think, oh, all right, she's about to set me loose on this gallery and I'll walk around for 10 minutes and then leave. She says another thing and she starts talking about how the gallery is, uh, um, the, this particular exhibition is called Water Cosmos and it's all pictures of water and all of the pictures are unedited. And I'm like, oh, unedited, but that's interesting because this one to my left seems quite edited and it's this like circular kind of body of water. And she explains how they took the picture and how it works and and uh, the story behind it and the photographic tricks. And after that one, she goes, oh, I'll just take you around to the, because it's kind of like this one. And she took me around and explained in detail with stories and the history and and like every photo in the gallery. It was incredible. And she was talking about how the gallery was... It was called Water Cosmos because they're trying to draw attention to the fact that there's a water shortage in the world right now. Um, I watched a Netflix documentary about it that um, Cape Town in South Africa was... They had a date set for when they were going to shut off the fucking mains water supply in the city because there wasn't enough water left. And then when they set the date, everyone started conserving water and, and working really hard to make sure that it, they weren't wasting water and, and they were able to push the date back and back and back. And, and they've gotten to the point now where they've cancelled that because everyone's gotten so good at conserving water. And that's the extent of the water shortage in the world, but we're just fucking ignoring it in almost every other city. And um, this lady, whose name that I did not get, was, uh, she told me, she, so her and her partner were reading all of these academic articles about this water shortage and, and it inspired them and they wanted to take that message to people, but they didn't want to, a lot of the times when people use art to communicate like a negative message, it'll be like, you know, a photographer, they're in a war zone, they take a picture of a, a fucking dead kid or some mother pulling their children out of rubble or whatever and it's awful and it's visceral and that's what makes you feel connected to you know the emotion is like oh my god that's terrible imagine if that happened to me or it was my kids or whatever and and the water shortage is i guess as pressing a an issue as any war or conflict but they didn't want to use negative imagery to to um to draw attention to it so instead they took pictures of water in these really like 
like a lot of it looked like it would be like you know cgi enhanced or whatever there was one um it was a picture of the ocean with on either side it was it looked black and white but she said all the pictures are actually taken in color so it was the ocean and in the middle there was like a black almost like a tear had been ripped out of the middle of the page and what it actually was was a giant crag like a rock like a pillar of natural pillar of rock and uh the sun was setting behind it so all the light was coming towards the camera and this black pillar of rock was just like it seemed completely black because there was no light coming from behind it and they waited for hours to get this photo and all of the photos had the same like level of detail and work and and she said they have to go to certain areas of the world and wait till a certain day in the year so the light is absolutely right because the most important part of photography is light i'd learned a lot about photography in this exhibition and I started getting ASMR every time she spoke to me. I get that, you know, that fuzzy feeling in the back of your brain because she was so passionate and she was, <coughs> she was so interested in, in every picture and everything that she was doing. Some of them looked like, uh, like they were zoomed in like a microscope or something like that. And then she explained to me that it was, uh, it was an aerial shot taken down with really good lighting so you could see uh, it was like the ocean, but you could see straight down to the bottom of the ocean and you could see a couple fish on the bottom of the ocean. And um, But it, because it was like almost so abstract, it looked like one of those magic eye things, you know, or like a close-up view of a microscope and you kind of stood back for a second with the knowledge of what it was and you could kind of be like, oh, fuck, I can see the fish, I can see the... I don't know, man. It, uh, this is so stupid to try and explain this exhibition because I don't, this is a podcast, you guys can't see it, and I know for a fact that none of you live in Eindhoven, so none of you are going to be able to see it, maybe fucking look up Water Cosmos Exhibition, actually no, they're taking it to London in September, that's why I've been talking for the last eight minutes, it was a trick, I tricked you, I knew it was going to be in London in September, Oh, look, I'm sorry to just put you through that for the last eight minutes of me trying to explain this exhibition. But the the experience was so amazing because, and then she made us tea, she made us green tea. I think it even went for longer than she expected because the green tea got cold while she was explaining all this stuff. Every time she got to the end of one thing, I was like, what about this one? What about this one? And then we sat down and we had our green tea and our little bickies. And... Um, and then I, I wanted to give her a hug at the end, man. I didn't. That would have been weird. But I, d I really wanted to. Like, it was this beautiful, you know? I just, I left and I shook her hand and she was like, and what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm a stand-up comedian. I'm here for a show. And she was like, cool, man. Goodbye. <laughs> and that was it. We spent like an hour and a half together and, and it rained and then it was sunny and then it rained again outside all the time while we were looking at these pictures. And then, and then I left. And I'm never going to see her again. I learned that Americans don't know what Bicky means. They don't know the word for Bickies. I've been doing this bit on stage from um, this story. This uh, When I left Newcastle to go to Manchester. That was a long night, by the way. Fuck. I left Newcastle after doing the show. Probably the best show I've had this year, to be honest, at the Newcastle stand. Thank you to... Um, to Edinburgh, Glasgow and Newcastle Stand Comedy Clubs for putting me on last week. Oh my God, that was 
an incredible run. And Edinburgh and Glasgow were great shows and I did great. But Newcastle was a hard show. People weren't doing well. And I fucking went on and I... Oh, man, it was so great. The sound guy was so lovely to me after the show. He was like, I reckon you could headline this room, but they won't have you to headline, so we'll get you in for an open spot, like an open, or like an, you know, an opening 20 on the weekend. And uh, that was when I knew I had done well, because I know I could definitely not headline that room. But I gave such a good account of myself that I even tricked the person whose job it is to recommend people for the weekends into thinking that I'm a better comedian than I am. That's how good of a set I had. And uh, I left there. I went to the train station. My train was supposed to be at 10.45. It was delayed by over an hour to midnight. And I got that train. <coughs> we, got to, uh, we got to York at like 1am. And then I got a train from York at 1.30 to Manchester Airport. And we got there at like 4 in the morning. And then my flight was at 7. So there was no time to sleep through the night. And, um, so when I got, when I was waiting at York and the train arrived, everyone got off and then I got on and there was one other dude on the platform with me and he got on and the, the train was like, the carriage was very dirty when I got on and there were a couple tables full of rubbish and shit and, uh, I went to sit down and I saw... And this is the bit that I've been doing on stage. I saw like a pack of bickies, like unopened biscuits, right? And I say bickies because it's fun. Bickies, huh? A few little bickies on the table. And uh, I said that the first night I did it on on Sunday night in Amsterdam. And uh, a friend came up to me and was like American. And she goes, what the fuck is bickies? I had to ask my friend. I didn't know what bickies are. And I'm like, biscuits, like cookies. She's like, oh, like, like cookies. I'm like, yeah, like fucking, it was like a uh, cookie cream cookies. She's like, oh, like an Oreo. And I'm like, yeah, I guess, but not an Oreo. Anyway, so uh, I, I look at this pack of unopened bickies and I'm just like, oh, I want to eat some. And they're sitting on the table amidst all the rubbish. But I, I know that the guy who's just come on as well is like, he's about to see me pick them up and he knows they're not mine because I've just gotten on the train. And he sits down at that table where all the rubbish is. And uh, so I want to communicate to this dude. Like, I don't want to... I know it's, like, not cool to just take someone else's food. And it's kind of shameful if it's just been left there. But also, it's there. And I'm hungry. And I want to take it. But I didn't have time to say all that to him. So instead, I just... (laughs) And it all happened in one moment. And this is why... I talk like a fucking idiot. I know I do. (laughs) I just wanted to... I wanted to offer him some as a way of being like, I'm about to eat these. Do you want some? I understand. So so I just said, do you want some creams, bro? (laughs) And he looked at me and went, "Uh, oh, no, those are mine. (laughs) It turns out he'd been sitting there the whole time. And they were his bickies that he had brought. And all the rest of the rubbish was also his. And I just picked up his pack of biscuits and gone, do you want some of your biscuits? Because I'm going to take them. (laughs) <laughs> it was very embarrassing um, I won't do the rest of the bit Come and see me live if you want to see uh, Me fumble my way through the rest of that story So the best thing That's happened to me this week And it was I, 
we got to Rotterdam. By this point, I was with JJ Whitehead, fantastic comic who I did uh, the the Eindhoven and the Rotterdam gigs with. And we went and we had a coffee in oh Montmartre, I think is the name of the place in um, in Rotterdam. Oh, I went to this place called Bean Brothers in Eindhoven, which again amazing. After that fucking Water Cosmos thing. The lady from there recommended me a few other places, which I went to all of them. She recommended Bean Brothers, and she recommended uh, some fucking gallery. I can't remember what that one was called. That one was fine, but Bean Brothers was fantastic. It's uh, You walk down this small street, and then there's an A board outside, like a chalkboard, uh, directing you down this tiny little alleyway, no wider than like maybe two shoulder widths apart. Walk down the alleyway, and it kind of twists a couple times, and uh, you find yourself in a courtyard, and you're in the Bean Brothers Roastery. And I get in there, there's a few people sitting down, I talk to the girl, I get a coffee, a very good coffee. Um, I love when they put, I love when the place takes themselves seriously enough to put a long black on, like I, I get a long black, and then they put that on a chopping board with like, with like a coffee card explaining where the coffee's from and then like, you know, a little thing of hot water or some sparkling water or whatever. I feel like most people would hate that. I love that. I love when a place takes itself seriously. <laughs> they're like, they're like this one coffee that you just paid three euro for, this, we consider this to be an entire experience. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, people get angry at hipsters for putting whole meals on chopping boards. I want, I want just an individual coffee there. <laughs> and like the deconstructed coffee, people had a go at that a few years ago when that came out. The deconstructed latte or flat white or whatever it was when you get your steamed milk hot water and espresso in three separate things i like that i like that a lot what's not to like about it you get to feel like you're a scientist building your little thing you get to choose the ratios yourself maybe you want a bit of espresso sip it first and then mix it with the coffee see what it tastes like see how that sorry mix it with the milk see how it tastes see the difference maybe mix some with water fuck around a little bit enjoy yourself sorry there's an ambulance going past The people of Berlin are slaughtering themselves en masse rather than listen to me talk about deconstructed lattes. <laughs> I like the deconstructed flat white, man. I like it. And if I can find one in Berlin, I'm going to be very excited. I'm very excited about Berlin, by the way. There's going to be a bunch of good cafes here. I'm here for 10 days. It's not a lightning trip. Finally, the chance to just fucking relax. I am going to be moving a lot, but I'm still going to be, I'm going to be in one place, you know. I'm excited to meet some people, hang out with some friends, do a bunch of gigs. Anyway, that's not what I want to talk about. That's next week's episode. The best thing that has happened to me, not only in the last week, but maybe in the last month, maybe my favorite thing that I've done while I've been traveling for the last two months is I went to Mini World in Rotterdam. I saw it on the map when we were catching the train in or the bus or however the fuck we got there. I can't remember. It came up on Google Maps, Mini World Rotterdam, next to the station. And I, I just, it just, it piqued my interest. What is that? Mini World. And I've since remembered as a kid, I used to like building like model boats and planes and tanks and stuff. I used to glue them together and I couldn't paint. I could never, I'm not a good, 
you know, I just never had that artistic part of me that that enjoyed painting them. But um, I like putting them together. And uh, I guess seeing that Mini World Rotterdam just it fucking it like lit a fire in me. I rem I didn't remember at that point that I used to like building models, but a part of me was like intrigued, you know. So I went by myself. JJ didn't want to come. He was tired. He said he needed to go work out or else he was going to be tired. And I was like, yeah, dude, I get it. You're fucking hench, man. All right. I get it, dude. You just... Dude, I just need... I just need a workout, you know? I just... Part of me really need... Like, I don't feel right unless I pump some iron. <laughs> he said I'd understand when I was 40 fuck years old or whatever. Um... <laughs> oh my god some fucking dude the security dude from the place where I was sitting just came up behind me and was like das ist privat <laughs> it's like made me fucking leave um, and he really scared me when he came up behind me and I'm 100% gonna put that audio of me getting scared <laughs> at the end of this it's so pathetic. I've stopped the recording real quick, but you do get to hear me go like, <laughs> Anyway, I really, I just record the last five minutes of this. Um, <clears throat> so I went to Mini World and uh, it was 12 euro to get in. And it was like, there were like all kids there. I was a little bit nervous at the start because I thought maybe this isn't for me. Maybe this is for children. And I go downstairs and... There's, there's like an England section and a, and a Netherlands section. The England section, they're still building. So I was like, I'll do that first. And it was pretty good. Like the England section was nice and there was like stuff to read and whatever. And then I get to the Netherlands section and I'm looking around and all the trains are moving and it's nice. But the thing that did it, right? So it's this, it's this miniature model world that they've done of um, the Netherlands. It's like not exactly you know the proper layout of everything they obviously want to get all the different stuff in so they've got different landmarks and industrial kind of sites and whatever <clears throat> but all of the trains are running a lot of the cars move there's lights uh, there's like lights on the street lamps and everything and and uh, the attention to detail and the way that, like, the water, the way they've used, they've used some sort of acrylic, I guess, to make the water so it shimmers like actual water does. And the grass and everything looks beautiful. It's incredible, right? And then about every 20 minutes or so, because it's indoors, the lights go down and it, to simulate, like, daytime into dusk, into evening, and then night, and then dawn and then daytime again and when it goes to night all of the lights on everything all fucking light up and you can see like inside the trains the trains move around and you can see inside them and it's like you like looking into people's lives and the way that it was honestly it was so magical it was fucking beautiful I, the whole time i was walking around like almost in tears like I had uh, I met up with um, the booker for the uh, for the Rotterdam show and his wife and uh, their bar manager afterwards and I like they had to kick me out at 5 p.m. that when Mini World closed I was like still looking around I didn't even get a chance to look at half the stuff I wanted to look at and read all the little plaques and everything 
And um, when I met up with uh, Marcel and Debbie and Bobby for dinner, I was just raving about it. I could not shut the fuck up about it, man. <laughs> like, I want to go back. I want to go back. I would go back right now if I was still there. <clears throat> I want to meet the people who made it. I want to fucking see what they have to say about it. I want to meet... There's one person who has a statue, like a little mini statue in the mini world that they made for them because this dude, I'm assuming it's a guy, as I, I couldn't tell from the name because all the Dutch names are like Flim and Pim and Goop and whatever. They're like, you know, you can't even... They're like androgynous names. Um, but he'd been there a thousand times and they made a statue of him to commemorate his thousandth visit to mini world. And I saw that and I was like, I get it. I fucking get it, man. You go there a thousand times. Like, absolutely. It feels like this is the way that I've explained it and rationalized my love for it to my friends. It's like any other work of art, like a movie or, a, you know, something that tells a story, it needs conflict. There's like, you know, the conflict and then the journey and then the resolution in any narrative. But with Mini World, <laughs> I say like it's a genre. But the thing with the genre of Mini World, <laughs> the experience, the oeuvre of the creators of that magical place is that there's no conflict. You don't need conflict because it's just, the, it's just there. You just watch it and experience it. And it feels like, especially when it goes to night and you see the kind of movement of the place, it feels like you're just getting a window into these people's lives, but nothing bad is happening. It just is. And that's how I felt when I was there, when I was at fucking Mini World. <laughs> I'm going to be talking about that place for fucking weeks, I think. Every person I meet, we went to a party after the gig on Saturday night and, <laughs> and every Dutch person I spoke to from Rotterdam, I was just like, have you guys been to Mini World? And Bobby, the bar chick who brought us to the party, would just roll her eyes like, oh my God, here he goes again. <laughs> Because none of these Dutch people have been to Mini World. They don't give a fuck. <laughs> and I fucking loved it. I was telling them all, you go to fucking Mini World, man. <laughs> you go and experience what life has to offer. <laughs> That's the podcast, you guys. Thanks for listening. If anyone knows any cafes in Berlin, hit a boy up. I'm here all week. Other than that, have a great week yourselves. This has been Aiden Taco Jones. And this podcast has been Coffee is What Happens When You're Busy Making Plans. Ciao. But anyway, I was like, no, nah, man, I'm going to, I'm going to Mini World. I went. Oh. 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 But anyway, I was like, no, nah, man, I'm going to, I'm going to Mini World. I went. Oh. Oh.